Hey, it's Amy Newmark with one of my favorite episodes for you about how you can use your dreams, which come from your own subconscious mind, to help you figure out things in your life. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark, and it's Friend Friday on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. Today, I'm bringing back one of our most popular guests, Kelly Sullivan Walden, who is America's dream expert. Kelly and I have made two books together, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions, and more recently, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. So Kelly, welcome back to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast. It's such a pleasure to be back with you again, Amy. It's like no time has passed. I love it. This is true because we do talk to each other all the time, not only on the podcast, but during the week as well. Now, we're going to talk about why we were talking in the last week, but first I'm going to tell everybody your bio. So Kelly Sullivan Walden is basically Dr. Dream, and she has been seen numerous times on national talk shows such as the Dr. Oz Show, the Ricky Lake Show, the Real Bethany. When HuffPost Live was operating, she was on that. She was recently on Coast to Coast AM, and that was not her first appearance. She's been on Fox News. She also has a column about dream analysis in every issue of one of our favorite magazines, which is called First for Women. She's also the best-selling author of 10 books about dreams, including the two that she and I made together at Chicken Soup for the Soul. And she just appeared a few weeks ago on Coast to Coast AM. And I thought that first, before we get into specific dreams, we should talk about Coast to Coast AM because it is such an unusual and interesting radio show. And going on it is such an unusual and interesting experience. So you were on it a few weeks ago. And what did you talk about? Well, we talked about dreams and the unexplainable and dreams and premonitions, but it is a phenomenon going on that show. It's um, it's so special. George Nori has been doing this. The show's been on um, for so long with Art Bell before George Nori, and it's such a loyal following. And and the phone lines light up. He said that there were he said there was probably five thousand people waiting on on the phone, and I got my email flooded with dreams <laughs> to interpret. It's it's such a phenomenon, and it's such an honor. So we talked about dreams, and I was excited. My sister was listening at the same time. I mean, I don't know anybody else that's up at that hour, but my sister was listening, and she said, Kelly, I can't believe you stumped George Norrie. I mean, this, this guy has heard everything, and he, he, he got freaked out by the dreams. <laughs> that was kind of special, to freak out somebody that's unfreakoutable. Yeah, because this show, Coast to Coast, deals with all of these really unusual things. I mean from dreams and stuff that I can understand to the really unexplainable stuff, right? People saying they've been probed by aliens, taken to their spaceships, brought back, etc. It's quite an audience. And you're on it at like, what, two in the morning? You're good at this because you live in this world. But I did it a few years ago because our Messages from Heaven book came out and it was just a huge bestseller. And so I went on Coast to Coast AM and of course, I'm on the East Coast, so it was really late for me. I think I was on from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., which was already a surreal experience. And then the way my appearance worked, the first hour, 
I guess he and I talked about the book. And then the second hour, people called in with questions and to report their own stories about messages from heaven and this and that. And it was really fun talking to the people. And in fact, one of them said to me, are you going to do a book about angels? And I said, yes, we are, except that was the first I knew about it. So somewhere between three and four in the morning, somebody said, are you going to do a book on angels? And I suddenly realized, yes, of course I'm going to do a book on angels. And then we put out Angels Among Us, which was a huge bestseller for us. I mean, just enormous. And we've done two more books about angels since. So it was a really great experience being on that show. You did it for two hours also when you went on it a few weeks ago. Yeah, from midnight to two in the morning, my time. And I used to be a night owl, but I'm not a night owl anymore. So that was late, late, late for me. And of course, I'm pumped up at the end of it, so I couldn't go to sleep afterwards. And I'm still kind of, all these weeks later, altered. You know, it's like, it takes a while to recover from being on Coast to Coast, even though I would do it every night if they, if they wanted me to. It's a fun show to do. It's really fun. And good for you for thinking on your feet and doing the Angels book. What about an Aliens book? Just kidding. I don't think Chicken Soup for the Soul can go there. I don't think aliens like Chicken Soup. That will not be happening. Yeah, maybe not. Although you and I are going to talk about aliens in a little while, but more tongue-in-cheek. So anyway, I think what we should do is take a break here, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about some specific dreams that helped you figure out your own life. We're back with Dr. Dream, Kelly Sullivan Walden, and we're going to dive into a couple of her own dream stories from the latest book that she and I made together, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. So, Kelly, let's start with your introduction, which you sent to me for the book, which really blew me away because I had never known this story before. So tell me about that. It always shocks me. I always... When I write something, sometimes I'll just write it just for my own, my own process. And I don't often expect that people will ever read it. But this was one of those things I went, oh, my God, I'm sending it. I can't believe I'm sending this. Oh, my God. But I sent it. And it ended up being the introduction to the book. So it, it was a dream that I had that where I'm in an unfamiliar living room and this alien, this scary scary kind of a Medusa character pops out from behind a couch and and tries to scare me. It's like, ah, and I was frightened. But there was something familiar about this being. And I felt like I she had been a best friend of mine in the past. There was some connection. And I looked at her and I said, wait a minute, I know you. And she went, she kind of looked at me like, oh, man, I'm not scaring her. I'm not doing my scary job. But then she totally melted as I was melting as well. We were kind of melting looking at each other. And she morphed from being this Medusa character into being this most beautiful alien, blue alien. She had this upside down teardrop head. And literally, if I could draw or paint her, it, it would just melt you. She was stunning beautiful. And I thought, oh my God, 
I just love this alien. I woke up from that dream, thought, wow, that was a trip. But the dream made me feel so peaceful. And I, as I woke up and journaled about it, I thought, that's interesting to have gotten a dream that made me feel so peaceful while in my waking life I had been a complete stress case. I had been like a, the Medusa character in my life because I had all these deadlines I was dropping balls left, right, and center. I felt stressed out. I was snapping at everyone. And all the while, underneath it all, I just wanted to connect and just wanted to get done with what I had on my plate so that I could really connect with people and be more of the blue alien. So that was my inner process. I thought, wow, this dream makes me feel good. It's giving me this kind of a a solution to my problem, a way of being, even though nothing in my outer world changed, it gave me a, a, a context, like a feeling tone that I could bring to my work, that I could actually get things. And I did. I was able to accomplish everything with a lot more grace. But the weirdest thing is, is that I was on the phone with you, Amy. We were talking about the marketing. <laughs> we were talking about our previous book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and Premonitions, because it was about to be released when we were on the phone that day. Exactly. And in the approximately, I don't know, about a year that we had been talking on the phone, we had talked about dreams. But I, have n- I had never actually shared a personal dream with Amy, but for some reason, this dream came flying out of my mouth. It wanted to be shared with Amy. And I don't know why, halfway through me telling Amy, you, about the dream, I got mortified. And I thought, oh, my God, Amy is going to think I'm the biggest freak in the world. California, tree-hugging freak, talking about aliens. She's from the East Coast, more conservative. She is going to want to drop the book and drop me. And and I, at the end of the story, I was like, Amy, are you still there? Yeah, and meanwhile, I was texting you a photograph of my bright blue car, which has a personalized blue license plate that says alien on it in blue letters. So I get this ping on my phone and I look down and I see the picture that's blue type blue and and saying the word alien. And I thought, why, why are you sending this to me? That's so strange. I just, and you said this was your license plate on your car. I thought, wait, that is, why would you, of all humans on the planet, have a blue alien on your on your license plate? <laughs> yeah, because in my family, we don't take aliens seriously. So what had happened was about 20 years earlier when my kids were little, we were sitting around the kitchen table one night, and my son Mike, who was seven at the time, had said to me, Mommy, what are we? And you know, when kids ask you that question, that's usually when they're trying to find out what their religion is or something. And, you know, both the kids were there, Michael and Ella. And so I don't know what came over me. It was just one of those wacky moments. And I got this really serious look on my face. And my first husband, their father, was sitting there at the time. And luckily, he didn't say anything. And so I just said, Mike, I think you and Ella are old enough to know the truth. And Mike thought I was going to say that they were adopted. And he was really glad because he thought maybe he wasn't actually biologically related to his sister, who he found very annoying. But then I said to them, kids, your father is Catholic and I am an alien. So you are half Catholic and half alien. And their mouths were hanging open. And then I kept it together. I didn't burst into laughter yet. And then I said, In alien families, there's a marker person in each generation so that all the aliens will be able to recognize each other. 
And my father's name is Alan, and that name is spelled almost like alien. And then in my generation, I'm the marker since my initials are ALN. And if you say ALN really fast, it sounds like alien. And then I said to Ella, your middle name is Anne. And if you say LAN really fast, what does it sound like? It sounds like alien. By then, though, the kids knew that I was kidding. And then Ella said to me, my friend Abigail is an alien too. And I mean, I was just totally improvising with all of this. And I said, you're right, because Abigail's last name is Lowen. If you say A. Lowen really fast, it sounds like alien. So Ella, you're right. Your friend Abigail is an alien also. And then I went and got that custom license plate, which has been on five different cars since then. So that, that is why in my family, I am considered to be the alien. Oh, my God. Well, to me, this was so this I was hopping around on my porch saying, what? What? Are you kidding? This is so crazy. Well, why would I tell you this dream? And then you would tell me this story. Both things are so random. And I thought, you know, this is the quintessential synchronicity, just a bizarre series of events that collide with one another. And my interpretation of that is that it's fortuitous, that it's a sign of being in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. And it's kind of a mini burning bush of sorts. So it just made me feel so great, not only great because of the dream itself, but also great to be connected with you, Amy, and to know this other side of you and how hilarious is that. And it's just, I don't know, it's been one of those things. And I see blue aliens now all the time where I see things that look like blue aliens. And I think of you. I don't know if I told you that, but um, I think about you quite often. I will have to tell my children that this weekend, that every time you see aliens, you think of me, they'll get a kick out of that. So let's talk about another story. Here's another story that I want to talk about that's in Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. And this is the one about the black dog. So let's go through that one really quickly. And first, I have got to preface this by saying there is nothing wrong with black dogs, even though in this dream, a black dog started out as suppose, you know some kind of negative thing. But we always tell everybody, please, when you go to shelters, adopt the black dogs because they're the ones that tend to get left behind. So I just needed to say that first. That's so important. And the black cats, too. Yeah, go get them. Yes. My husband made an album a long time ago called Ugly Dogs Need More Love. Not that black ones are ugly. They're the cutest. Anyway... So this, this isn't a dream. This is like a real life, this crazy synchronicity coincidence story. So I had, I had to put my dog Woofy to sleep and it was so devastating. I had never howled and cried so loud. I was literally heartbroken and I made a vow to Dana, we're not going to have any more dogs. I can't handle, I can't handle this. I, they got, she got so into my soul. So about a year later, we're on our way to Albu- uh, to New Mexico. We were I was going to be speaking at a conference, and the night before I was to speak, Michael Mead was on the stage speaking, and he's a wonderful storyteller. If you know him, he's a mythologist and fairy tale person. And anyway, he had his conga drum, and there was dramatic mood lighting, and he was playing the drum, and he was saying. There's an old woman who lives in the cave, and she's the one who weaves all the stories of time, all the stories of humanity. And it's this beautiful weave, and she's been weaving for eternity, and it's almost finished, and it's almost perfect, but she's hungry. So she goes to the back of her cave to eat some of the soup that's been cooking, and it's just right. So she goes back to get her soup 
her black dog that has been sitting by her feet this whole time decides to take a look at the weave and the dog starts to get playful with the weave and starts to pull it apart and starts to play. And by the time the old woman comes back from eating her soup, she sits down and sees that the entire weave, the story of humanity that was almost perfect is completely destroyed. So what does the old woman do? She gets back in her chair, she picks up the weave, and she begins to weave all over again without skipping a beat. And then he says in a dramatic way, so who's your black dog? Who's the one that gets in the way every time you're just about there? What's the situation that that sabotages you just when you're about to have the perfect X, Y, and Z? What is that thing? Give thanks for the black dog, because if it wasn't for the black dog, you wouldn't grow. If, it was, if the black dog hadn't messed up the ladies, the old ladies weave, then perfection means it's over. There wouldn't be a story left to tell. So thank God for those things that make things imperfect, because they make the story go on and they make them perfect. And I know I'm going on and on with my story, but I'll wrap this piece up by saying that story made me cry. It really touched my heart. When we got to our friend George's guest house, who we were staying at, a little casita, beautiful casita, he yells out as we're walking to the guest house, he says, be careful, beware of the black dog. There's a little dog that's on your porch. She's a stray. We don't know where she's come from, but she likes to hang out around the porch. I said, "Um, did you say a black dog? We got to the porch, and sure enough, this beautiful Labrador was sitting there with her pink tongue hanging out, wagging her tail, so cute and friendly. We, she walked inside the guest house with us, and she just sat there, and it was as if we had known her forever, and she spent the night at the foot of our bed. The next morning when we went to leave, she tried to jump in the car and go with us, and I thought, Dana, if this dog is truly astray, we need to take her home with us, and and long story short, we ended up bringing her home with us. So I opened my heart once again, even though I had sworn I wasn't going to do it. And Shadow is her name. I thought we were going to change the name, but the name stuck. And she's been our dog now. Gosh, I always, I can't remember how old she is. She's something, she's probably 14 now, and it's been at least seven or eight years. But because we opened, I opened my heart up to her when a few months later, Dana's daughter needed a home for her dog. I would have said no, absolutely no, for sure, if we didn't already have a dog. But because we had Shadow, I said, okay, fine, we'll take your little yappy dog that I wasn't a big fan of, by the way. I'm I'm embarrassed to admit that. But because she didn't have any other choices, I let her in. And because I let her dog in, and I fell in love with little Lola, by the way. Lola and Shadow became fast friends. And I had... Um, Dana's daughter and I hadn't been close because I'm a second marriage and the whole family was kind of in turmoil. But because I let this new dog in, the whole family, there was this ripple effect of healing. And now Dana's daughter, Misha, and I are very close. And it's all because of the black dog. So don't beware of the black dog. Be grateful. Thank you. I love that. We we really want to get everybody out there embracing those black dogs in their lives and for real. 
So, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciated you coming on for, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time on the podcast. Oh, my goodness. It's such a blast every time I get to share with you, Amy. And it's so wonderful to get to make these books with you and to and to dream about you and to every time I see the color blue or anything that resembles an alien, you know, I'm thinking of you. And it's a good thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Kelly at kellysullivanwalden.com. You can also find her on Facebook at Kelly Sullivan Walden Dr. Dream or on Twitter or Instagram as Kelly S. Walden. Thank you for listening to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast today. You can go to our website, chickensoup.com, click on the podcast button. You'll see the book that Kelly and I most recently made, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Dreams and the Unexplainable. And please share the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with your friends and family. Remember to subscribe to it on Apple or Google so new ones will automatically appear in your phones. Remember, we've just switched our hosting platform. So if you are subscribed on our old platform, Podbean, please go ahead and resubscribe on Apple or Google because we're going to be leaving Podbean pretty soon. And finally, come back Monday for a little help with your Easter planning. I'm going to talk about what kids really want in their Easter gifts. <laughs> <laughs>